0: The
1: feel Episode 160, the one where a nagging mother wins the day. The Podcast.
0: Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. <laughs> It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theo Mamas boys out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. <laughs> and together we are the, the, the Theo Nuts. Nuts.
1: Hey, Dave. I jumped
0: the gun on it that time I'm you usually did. I'm usually a little behind.
1: <laughs> on it. So, how you doing? All right, man. Good. I'm super excited about our topic tonight because we've been talking about it. Yeah. for a while and like researching and getting into it and uh It's cool stuff. Yeah, man. I'm enjoying the whole series on uh theologians on or theologians or Christian fathers. Yeah. because it's uh I mean, it's kind of mind-blowing some of these guys. Yeah and it's awesome that you get, we've
0: had several suggestions too since we right. started this and it's awesome that you guys are uh throwing those out there right and uh we may or may not be able to get to them all but uh <laughs> but it is so cool because the time span like you've got like we're talking about St Augustine tonight and that's 350 <laughs> right. you know versus now, I mean, yeah, you, and you've got people that, that stretch that entire. I mean, we just saw the death of Billy Graham, yeah, I know. So, Which
1: someday we, we should cover that guy,
0: so yeah, <laughs> but anyway, so how's your week been? It's been about a week and a half since we did this,
1: right? It, uh, pretty good, yeah.
0: How was the concert? Uh, we were talking on the last show about how we were going to concerts,
1: oh but. man. Uh, I enjoyed Mercy Me quite a lot. They mm-hmm. did great. 10th Avenue North was wonderful. I'm not, I, I don't know. I, I don't like big, huge auditorium concerts where you sit down. Yeah, I do. I'm a lot like you. I, I want to go to a club. It, I want to stand. Right. I want to dance. It feels have, so crazy. It feels so non personal. Yeah. But then, you know, I do like doing something with worship where everybody's singing. Yeah. Not looking at, you know, a performer but actually doing worship. I love stadium worship. Yeah, that's awesome. When they
0: get everybody in the place to sing. Yeah, yeah that's fun,
1: because you hear all the saints joining in, and that's awesome. So it was great. It was fun with Christina, and, and we just had a good good night. How about yours?
0: It was good. It was awesome. Yeah. It was a little bitty hole-in-the-wall place. It was right. quite the opposite. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was right there um, by, by the uh, Cotton Bowl. Just, I mean a stone's throw from there pretty awesome, and it was this little bitty building that was just like how oh, shanty type of thing i mean it was if there wasn't a a fence around the place, you'd be really scared about parking around there but anyway, um yeah, it was really cool uh there was two or three bands that that played and they it was it was as they labeled it aggressive worship, which I think nice. is a cool phrase all right um So, you know, we talked a little bit last time about how it was metal, but, Uh um, there's, there was this, it's just cool because it's so personal. i like, I get there a little bit before the show. I go over to the merch table, the lead singer, the band's just hanging out at the table. Sure. So I'm like, Hey man, what's up? And we just start a conversation, me and him, nobody else around. Wow. And so we just kind of hung out. Talked and talked about the last time That they came through town And found out he was actually from the Dallas area
1: Oh, really? Yeah,
0: and um, and all this But anyway, uh, it was a really cool show There was, at one point uh, th- They did some things I'd never really done before At a concert, which I thought was cool uh, the, the The guy was like, okay, here's what we're going to do It's a small enough venue I think we can make this work He was like, I need everybody in here to kneel and He was like, if you're not kneeling I'm calling you out Right. And yeah. so, and he actually did. I mean, people were, everybody knelt, knelt and uh, he was like, Hey, hey, you over there. And then someone knew the person and was like, Jennifer. And he was like, Yeah, Jennifer. Hey, what are you doing? You <laughs> basically got everybody in the place to kneel. And he said, Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this aggressive praise. He said, We're going to start out, it's going to be, you know, softer. But then whenever the, when it drops, he was like, I want everybody in the air. <laughs> and so it was really cool From your knees to the Everybody air Everybody went from their knees into the air That's awesome And uh, You didn't break it your knee felt, No, I didn't That's But good. it felt like the whole building came off its foundation <laughs> It was so cool That's awesome And man. I mean, I just love that Wow. So anyway, yeah, I had a blast cool. S- Stayed out way too late Sure And just, I'm just getting too old
1: for that type of thing, I guess <laughs> You're only as old as you think.
0: Yeah, or as old as your the, body allows. My doctor's system. bills tell no, me that's that.
1: <laughs> that's hilarious.
0: That I am. So, and then uh this weekend we went to see The Thorn. The Thorn, yes.
1: In uh At Dallas. The hills, uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Which is a uh, passion play of sorts.
1: With Cirque yeah, tendencies.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was kind of it was different. It was definitely karate. It was expressionism.
1: It was karate at the throne of Jesus. <laughs> it was interesting.
0: Yeah. It, there was parts of it that were a <laughs> little cornball. But uh But there were parts that were really Oh, there were parts that were just me.
1: completely
0: awesome. I mean, I don't know about you. I definitely cried in it. Yeah. I mean, it was like Sure. It, it was cool.
1: And when Jesus was dancing with the children. Oh, so that, that was part.
0: so good. So yeah. that happened a couple of times. Right. One of the times was their representation of Jesus entering Jerusalem like uh-huh. on Palm Sunday and he comes like from the back of the room and there's people in the aisles like with palm branches mm-hmm. cheering as he's coming through. And actually it was he came from the From up on the upper tier where we were. Yeah, where we were. Went down the steps and all this and worked his way up to the stage. Right. And on the stage, everyone was cheering. Then they had this whole group of little kids. Yeah. And they were all dancing and holding hands and running in a circle. And Jesus got into their little circle and ran around with them. Started dancing with them.
1: It was just so... So good And the miracles part Was pretty good. Cool. Yes he
0: healed He hel- healed these uh Like a, it was a lame boy
1: And the centurion's daughter And the
0: centurion's daughter That was dead Oh that was really cool I he, love that one Because the centurion brought, him, brought her out And she was like so limp A good yeah. little actress it, She was like so limp And of course All this is almost mimed Like there's very right. little Talking in the play itself Right And Jesus picks her up And holds her like Above his head Yeah And then when he pulls her down She's alive Right It was just Oh it was really cool Yeah. And then uh, my second, uh, another favorite part of mine was during the scene of the resurrection. Yeah. So you've got the smoke machines going all over the place. They got the tomb, and you've got all these people coming to the tomb to basically pay homage homage to Jesus. Right. Including these that had just been healed. Right. And the centurion and his daughter came up to the tomb, and the little boy with the crutch came and held it up, and... It was just really a cool way of displaying. Sure. And Barabbas goes to the cross, yes. and puts his
1: it, chains And I on didn't it. catch
0: that at first. I was like, who's that guy? Like, he came and dropped his chains at the cross. Right. And this was like, Jesus is off the cross. It's just the cross there by itself. And Barabbas comes up and drops his chains. Yeah. And it's like, wow, what some symbolism yeah. in that? Because he literally was set free sure. by Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, it was a cool play. If it, if it comes to your area, check it out.
1: Right. It's was- it pretty neat. <laughs> so uh, we were ready to get yeah. into this guy. Let's talk about him. So although it was... Good to start with St. Frank. I had a blast because he's probably one of my all-time favorite Christian fathers. Yeah. I think this is the most fitting person to start any kind of a Christian father's uh, series on. Well, he's earlier. Yeah, he's He's, definitely earlier. earlier But honestly, I think we base so much of our theology and so much of our... um, Comprehension of the Gospel off of this guy well, In and not a lot just of his writings
0: not just us because it's derivative I mean, think about i mean everyone likes to say they're a Calvinist, but a lot of calvin's thinking came from augustine right i mean it's like it it, it it's like there's nothing new under the sun type of thing sure. i mean um. There are definitely some. There are some strange things that Augustine taught too that. Oh, I know. That yeah, aren't very popular in modern Christian circles. circles yeah. Um, but it, there's more than one Saint Augustine too. That was kind of interesting because oh, yeah. the first one I landed on I was like, this is not Augustine of Hippo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, you did Augustine of Hippo? <laughs> oh man, we're going to totally redo this, and no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that there' more. There's more than one. Yeah, I've seen yeah.
0: I can't remember. It, it was like I started reading about it. And I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't sound right.
1: <laughs> was he an early church father? Was it 300s? Yeah, was it?
0: it? It was no. It was later. Oh wow. But it was um, um, uh, the good old Wikipedia. You know.
1: Oh yeah, I know that. <laughs> Taking goes. me to the
0: wrong place first. Sure. But uh, so anyway, we're going to talk about. Um, you know, this is in Texas. This is a popular grass too. We plant St. Augustine. Augustine grass. Sure. <laughs>
1: That's where he gets his name. So uh, he gets his name from the grass, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about this guy. Should we just walk through his life, or what should we do? Yeah,
0: and I I mean, I haven't really seen your notes. You haven't seen my notes. We're just going to (laughs) kind of- Wing it. Yeah. (laughs) Let's just see see how it goes. Well, Because I'm sure there are things that you'll pick up on that I didn't do, and vice versa. Mainly, here's my thing. Confessions, I've never read Confessions until now. Right. Oh, my gosh. It is so good. (laughs) <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> I'm reading through it, and I'm like, dude, this is, I mean, I relate to this guy more than I thought I would. Sure. Like, in big ways, and he's confessing me. He's, like, confessing my life in places, and I'm like, oh, my, no, don't say that.
1: <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Now you know. Don't go read Confessions, because it mirrors <laughs> David's life. No. <laughs> I, conf- confessions is one of the greatest, uh, you know, Pilgrim's Progress is good, mm. <laughs> Confessions is really good, like, go pick up that book, and I uh, I was in Life Action Ministries, I, I read Confessions, and the other thing I read was Thomas Akempis' work, um, The Imitation of Christ. Mm-hmm. So, Confessions and the Imitation of Christ, because I was really on this church history kick. Right. I want to get back to early stuff. And Confessions. Irenaeus' Heresies. I didn't read oh, okay. Heresies, no. Uh, how did you pronounce his name? Irenaeus. Irenaeus. Mm-hmm. How do you pronounce it? Irenaeus. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe I pronounce it wrong. I probably do. I don't know. I'm self taught, I... <laughs> man. So,
0: it's, so well, well it's I am too. What also it's I'm,
1: like is it Augustine or is it Augustine? Augustine? I don't know. So, <laughs> I say Augustine
0: because I'm from Texas and that's the grass. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> you say tomato <laughs> I say tomato. So
0: it's hard for me <laughs> yeah and, and actually when you're reading through this, like I'm even looking at the uh, <laughs> I'm re- even looking at the 13 books of the Confessions of Saint AUR period Augustine. Or Augustine with no e at the end. Right, Augustine. So, so Augustine is probably the actual pronunciation of it.
1: But we're gonna call him Augustine. Augustine, because we like to draw out our uh, here in Texas syllables. We like a, some Saint Augustine. Saint Augustine. You gotta
0: water that stuff That's a sure lot, happened. though. It needs some shade.
1: Okay. All right. So here we go.
0: Okay. So three hundred and fifty-four
1: eighty. Augustine is born, and he's born um, in uh, Thagast. Is that how you Thagast? Algeria. Algeria. Say Algeria. He's born in Northern Africa, Africa, Africa. almost the m- most North point you can get in Africa. Yes. Very close to, uh, which by the way, is part, a big part of
0: the Roman empire. Right. This is not like
1: far removed. Well, if you look, yeah, you look at the Mediterranean sea, mm-hmm. the Roman empire spans around that whole yeah. thing. And so, yeah, he's born in the North of Africa in the Roman empire. in. uh, in the uh, close to the fall of Rome, uh, mm-hmm. three fifty four, and so it is is they're at the height of their decadence. Yes, and this, this is their prior, power
0: prior to Christianity being.
1: This is pagan Rome.
0: Yeah, this is this is before Constantine.
1: Well, you got to think this is three fifty four. So, do your math. This isn't even three hundred years. Uh, since Jesus so this is I mean this or at is, least since Paul yeah right since Paul so this <laughs> mm-hmm. is a very uh you know this is a budding time for Christianity it's Christianity, a changing time too right Christianity is a cult and it's gathered a lot of uh, I don't don't get me wrong a lot of people in Western civilization today in our in our culture confuse the word cult um when I say Christianity was a cult a cult is a budding Sex. religion. Yeah, it was a beginning religion, and uh, so it was very. It it was in its infancy, infancy, and it was almost being taken over and snuffed out by a lot of different beliefs that were influencing it, mm-hmm. a lot of different Greek uh, philosophies that were influencing it. So,
0: yes, and there were some um, heresies you probably have not even heard of,
1: right? That were going on at this time. We're going to get to and so one y- of the major ones today. Y-
0: which is derivative of others that right. have come along. And actually, these have their roots going all the way back to the time of the New Testament writings. Sure. So, I mean, Paul...
1: Paul is fighting this... ...is
0: having to deal with it. Trip. John's having to deal with it.
1: Um, I mean, so, so, yeah, this is not... an Eastern religion, too. Yeah. Really, Eastern religion was plaguing this mm-hmm. this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, getting back to it. Okay. Um, born to a mother named Monica... Mm-hmm. um who was a devout follower of Christ whenever he was born mm-hmm. um and his father patricius who was a pagan
0: yep he was, was he is roman pantheon So is what he held to
1: he believed in the old school <laughs> pantheon of god mm-hmm. gods he believed in uh, apollo right and and the rest of them and so um there's a debate as to whether Patricius, uh, from what I've everything I've read, he converted Christianity on his deathbed. But uh David read somewhere that he didn't.
0: Well, and it could be that, you know, I mean, who knows if the source I
1: looked at was correct, I right? And this is from 354 AD. So you gotta, <laughs> gotta understand that too. I mean, this is 2018. But anyways, um, so Augustine is born not into a very wealthy Family, but he is born into a very affluent family. He's born into his father's big in, in politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roman politics at the time were like the height of. Um, if you want to be somebody and make it, the number one people beside besides the emperor himself were the senators. So Roman politics was a big deal, and uh, and so um, the uh, the. Um, Patricius wanted had high hopes for Augustine. Yes, wanted Augustine to go to school to get a very good education so that he could move his family up in the social classes and he could become uh, more powerful, more prominent um, in in Rome. And so, one of the biggest ways you did that was you learned your Greek, you learned your Latin. Latin,
0: yes. In fact, they spoke Latin in the home.
1: Right. Which is a big deal, uh, <laughs> right? At, at that time, and so uh, yeah, August, uh, Augustine grew up um, learning Latin and 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 being infused with this idea that if you want to do something with your life, it's it's in studying. Yeah, right. Which is funny though because
0: he he did not like. The Greek mythology. He didn't he didn't like the literature. Right. He, he didn't like Greek. He didn't like the literature and all that. So it was
1: Well, in his early days, he hated school. Right. Uh in the confessions you'll read, one part he says, What is the worth of the use of repeating one plus one equals three? <laughs> uh and because of this, he was a wild and unruly boy. Yeah. Um well Here's what I want to do, if you don't mind. Sure.
0: I want to infuse some of Confessions
1: oh, sure. as we do this. Okay.
0: Because Confessions is basically this. This book is him stepping through his whole life. It's written to God. Right. Which is so cool. It's yeah. his it's his autobiography. But it is written as a large confession to God. To God, uh-huh. like he's saying, I didn't get you back then when I was doing this and when I was doing that, right. and this was my nature, and I understand my nature now. But at the time, I totally didn't get it. Right. So, like, this is how he's writing his history. Sure. And so, um, as as we kind of step through his life, I want to hit some quotes that he says and sure. stuff in some of the stuff that he's he's doing here. Um, first, I want to start with the very with the first paragraph of the book. Because he praises God first. Of course, this is written way after his conversion. Right. And I mean, this is written like, you know, as, as I guess, near the end of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I, I just love, we're going to see here that he's huge into rhetoric, and right. he's and he is such a cool wordsmith, right. and he phrases this stuff so well. I just love this. Okay, so the very first uh, paragraph of Confession says... Great art thou, O Lord. Of course, this is the these and thous, because this is an old translation. Great art thou, O Lord, and greatly to be praised. Great is thy power, and of thy wisdom there's no end. And man, being a part of thy creation, desires to praise thee. Man, who bears about with him his mortality, the witness of his sin, even the witness that thou resistest the proud... (laughs) Yet man, this part of thy creation, desires to praise thee. Thou movest us to delight in praising thee, for thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. Mm. Which is one of his most popular quotes, actually, from the book. That's right. And and so, anyway, I just find this very—he continues and goes on about uh, uh, how—let me continue just a little bit. It says, Lord— Teach me to know and understand which of these should be first—to call on Thee, or to praise Thee, and likewise to know Thee, or to call upon Thee. But who is there that calls upon Thee without knowing Thee? <laughs> this guy's a philosopher; like sure. he's really looking into our insight, into our into our makeup, and what our whole uh, what makes us tick. Right. And our relationship to God, and that He created us, and that He created us for praising. Like, that's His, like, He made us to do that, but we end up using it in the wrong places, praising the wrong things, and all that sort of stuff. But he, He's like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Is it the call, or is it the praise, or is it to know you? How can I call you if I don't know you? And <laughs> right. So cool. So, anyway, um, so as a child, you were talking about how he uh, he went to school and all that.
1: Yes, so he uh, he was he was horrible to his teachers, uh, and he hung out with rough other kids that yep. didn't like their teaching, and uh, and so he was beaten constantly. <laughs> he he admits that in the confessions that he was beaten constantly uh, because of it. Um, he was beaten by schoolmasters. Um. And so, later on, though, um, he is sent, at the age of 12, to, uh, where is it? Maduras? Is that where he goes? Carthage? No. He ends up at
0: Carthage. But that's not until he's, like... That's way
1: later on. Uh, No, he... uh, Hold on. Let me pull back up my notes, because I was... uh, So, yeah, he was sent to... At the age of 12, he was sent away, like 10 miles away, to a different town. Med- yeah, Maduras, that's the name. It was a small town, actually 19 miles away from his parents. Mm-hmm. And he stayed there for four years. His his dad scrounged enough, enough money to send him away to school. And it was there that he started developing a love of philosophy. Um, it was the first time he really uh, fell in love with Virgil. Um, and he started reading... Uh, philosophy and just ingrained himself with with that kind of stuff and he Mm -hmm. and he enjoyed it so from 12 to around 16 um uh he was he was over there and then after those four years is when he came back now somewhere in the midst of that is the story of the pears. The pears.
0: Okay, before we get to the pears, I want to look at a quote that he also says here about his learning. Okay. Whenever he was young, he fell in love with um some of the Latin fables yes. and that sort of thing that was happening. And um and now looking back and confessing all this, he's he's confused in the fact that he would get so emotional over these fictional characters, <laughs> but yet was despising the real story behind it. Right. And of course, you know, our our brother's over there in in Tennessee talking about finding Christ in cinema. And that's kind of what they're talking about is like, we get all into these movies, but there's a bigger story underneath those movies. Right. And that is the greatest story ever told. And he kind of reflects this too. He says, for what can be more wretched than the wretch who pities not himself, shedding tears over the death of Dido for the love of Aeneas?" Uh, but shedding no tears over his own death in not loving thee, O God, light of my heart, and bread of my of the inner mouth of my soul, and the power that wed that wettest my mind with my innermost thoughts. Mm. I did not love thee, and committed fornication against thee. And those around me, thus sinning, cried, Well done, well done, for the friendship of this world is fornication against thee, mm. and well done, well done is cried. Until one feels ashamed not to be
1: such a man, yeah
0: so he's already learning at a very young age,
1: well yeah, and it's during this to time feed his pride. right. It's <laughs> during this time that he starts really wondering about this whole idea of what makes up man. Mm-hmm. Um, so Virgil is very influential in this. at the time, he tells a story later in his confession the first time he really understands the idea that he's screwed up. Yeah, is the story of the pears. So yeah. what happens is he and some of his buddies are out doing, and it's some. I mean, it's really a stupid thing. They go to uh, a neighbor's house at night, and they grab bushels, like, bushels of pears. They steal Bush- all these pears from these yes. pear trees, and uh, they're they're not stealing them to eat them. They have no desire for them. They have no hunger for them. They're not stealing them because they look good. In fact, he said they didn't even look good to him. Yeah. But they stole them. Why? Just to do it because they felt good doing it. Mm -hmm. And he says, and then they took them and they threw them and fed them to pigs. Yeah. Right? So he's over there feeding them to pigs. And it's something that he pontificates on and focuses on and (laughs) contemplates for pages Pages Seriously. of confession Well, is about this But the reason is Is because he really wants to drive home this idea That mm-hmm. there is something <coughs> fundamentally flawed in me Yes And it's this That I desire sin Not because it gratifies me I desire sin because I want that Because I'm a sinful person I'm a sinful person It's in yeah. my very being And this is something that actually horrifies him
0: Yeah, listen It what,
1: scares him Listen
0: to what he says here He says <clears throat> Yet had I a desire to commit robbery, and did so, compelled neither by hunger nor poverty, but through a distaste for well-doing and a lustiness of iniquity. For I pilfered that of which I had already sufficient and much better. (laughs) Nor did I desire to enjoy what I pilfered, but the theft and the sin itself. Behold my heart. O my God, behold my heart which thou hadst pity upon (laughs) Mm. when in the bottomless pit. Behold, now let my heart tell thee what it was seeking there, that I should be gratuitously wanton, having no inducement to evil, but to the evil itself. Mm. It was foul, and I loved it. I loved to perish. Mm. I loved my own error, not for which I erred. But the error itself, base soul, falling from thy firmament to the utter destruction, not seeking aught through the shame, but the shame itself.
1: Mm. So, so deep. Yeah, it's extremely deep, and he's he's <coughs> blown away by this. So he comes back home after the four years because they run out of money; they can't <laughs> they can't afford to keep him out right, there. Right. So he's sixteen years old. Around that time, his dad dies. Um, his his dad dies. They don't have a lot of money. But there is a fellow citizen um, in the town whose name is Ram- Romanianus. 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 That's his name. I'm going to butcher all these names. <laughs> yeah, and you're going to love it. I, I, it's, it's awesome. So, so Romanianus uh, sees some talent in the boy, especially for rhetoric mm-hmm. and for for Latin. I mean, the guy was just – he never really grasped Greek but he was he was genius in latin and so much so that he could make classical arguments which was the big thing for right, these guys right right and so this is what i mean this is what being a roman uh, politician was all about mm-hmm. and so as he do he sends him he pays for him to go to carthage, carthage and to study and then to become the rhetoric teacher at at carthage and so he's 17 years old away from his parents in Carthage, and he is he is in a in the fight of his life for identity at this point. he's doing really well in study. he throws himself into these studies, yeah but in the back of his mind, he is <clears throat> questioning what's this all about
0: so let's look look at his insight now okay as he's as he's in Carthage, he finds himself like looking back, he, he realizes he's in love with a concept yeah. that is a mere shadow yeah. of what God really offers. So he says, To Carthage I came where a cauldron of unholy loves bubbled up all around me. I loved not as yet, yet I loved to love. <laughs> and with a hidden want, I abhorred myself that I wanted not. I searched about for something to love in love with loving and hating security and <laughs> a way not beset with snares mm. so that's why he's running away from his mom's his mom's religion right his mom has been praying for him he sees it as a snare he right. sees it as as a trappings security, I don't want that. I want to be free. Right. I want to love. Right. Is you know a free love type of mentality.
1: Right. But the more he gets into this free love, the more he hates himself. Yes. He's realizing who he is, and it disgusts him so much so that he actually goes to the scriptures <laughs> because his mom's a Christian, right? And that's a natural go-to. So he goes to the scriptures, and what does he find there? He finds more debauchery. Mm. He reads about all these old kings that we're supposed to base our lives off of. Right. This is the old testament scriptures.
0: Polygamy. Right. And, all
1: that. and they're all like involved in these lustful polygamous relationships. And it's all jacked up. And he's like, well, that's the basis of Christianity. It can't be that can't be right. Yeah. That's messed up. So what does he do? He he kind of shuns that. And then there is a Carthage is a Schmorgisborg of um of religions. Mm-hmm. So he can go through and this pick This is in out- northern
0: Africa as well. This right. is like just...
1: It's like a port a cro- town.
0: Right across the Mediterranean Sea from Italy and Rome.
1: Right. And so, I mean, there are new prophets every day in Carthage. And mm-hmm. so um, one of the mainline religions is an import from the Far East. From the Persia, actually. From Persia mm-hmm. and uh it's called um uh, manichaeism. Manichaeism. It combines Christianity with this idea that um well they say that Jesus didn't uh he was never physical. Yeah. He was always spiritual. It, it borrows from the Gnostics. You're the right. Word. It's very heavily mm-hmm. on Gnosticism.
0: Which Gnosticism has been around since like the early parts of Gnosticism were even happening whenever Paul was writing when right. John was writing, uh, some of the, our New Testament actually is addressing Gnosticism. Right, uh, Second John is is all about
1: it. Yeah, um, there's so, there's this hidden secret, right? There's mm-hmm. secret knowledge,
0: secret knowledge, and that. Uh, okay, so just because I think it's cool tidbits of information to 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 understand. So Gnosticism basically is an old religion. Mm -hmm. It predates Christianity. It basically is, the religion basically says this, that there's these two gods. One of them creates man who we were already in existence, pre-existent. That's a very Greek Roman thing, that mankind is eternal from eternity backward to eternity forward. Right. And the soul never dies no matter what and never was born so it's just a pre-existing condition sure and so the, the gnosticism believes that the Jewish god Yahweh created this nasty human form that we're in now and trapped souls right into this existence and so anything physical is seen as abhorrent in gnosticism but there was a prophecy that another good god would come and redeem us from this physicality back into the spiritual realm and when jesus came down on the cross mm. and christianity was moving the gnostics basically grabbed a hold of jesus and said no he's ours mm. he's our messiah and so um so that's how it was it seemed to be a christian heresy but it was really just a false religion all along right. anyway okay so Manichaeism. Uh, Manny, Manny was from Persia, which was uh, modern-day Iraq, right? And he borrowed from Gnosticism, he borrowed from Zoroastrianism, correct, and some uh, far eastern religions, and basically said they uh, Buddha. Right. He he based Buddhism. He basically took these and said they're all a little incomplete. Jesus is a little off. Buddha's a little off but I got it all straight. And he blended it all together. And uh, so it does maintain this idea that Jesus was a spiritual being and that the cross wasn't about atonement and it wasn't about salvation. There's no salvific message in it. Um, But it's all about... Obtaining yeah a higher level of existence.
1: So your big thing and is so
0: many even claimed that he was um, at several different points. He claimed that he was the reincarnation of Jesus, and right. he claimed he was the reincarnation of Buddha.
1: <laughs> right, and so the the, uh, the <laughs> adherents' their goal was basically anything carnal, feeding your physical body. Yes, that that is that is disgusting, and you don't want to do that because mm-hmm. that's basically you know feeding into the lie of who you are, you should go for spirituality. And yes, so yes. Th- it had high um, uh, a high calling, Manichaeism did. Mm-hmm. If you were going to be a Manichaeist, y- you were going to reject all carnality. Well, what is he wrapped up in? He is he is 100% wrapped up in the lust of the flesh at this point. Yes. Um, he's also, he's read Cicero. He falls in love with Cicero mm-hmm. uh, and Cicero's idea of wisdom, gaining wisdom at all cost And so Augustine, that's his passion, is to gain wisdom. He wants to get this understanding. And so he dives headlong in a Manichaeism, and he becomes a spokesperson for Manichaeism. He yes. actually becomes one of its main proponents and leader mm-hmm. of Manichaeism in Carthage at this time as a very young man. Um, takes on a lover. Uh, yes. T- takes on a mistress at this time. Which
0: we never get her name.
1: Nope. He never gives
0: her name. Like, for 10 years? Is it what it was? It was yeah. like 10 years. They had a kid together. Yes, and he never gives her name. Right. It's very
1: interesting. But he, he does say that he expresses his deep love for her. He was deeply in love with her, but he was also deeply in love with his lust Mm
0: -hmm. and his
1: fashions. You got to understand Roman society was different than the society today. You were allowed to take on mistresses. It was a normal thing. Marriage was a social thing, not for love. It was all about status. And for whatever reason, he couldn't marry her because uh, most people think because she was in a lower class. And so it was looked down on. Well,
0: he had an... An opposition to marriage, anyway, uh, based on his—I mean, at least several of the resources I saw said that uh, that he was that he did not see the point in right in.
1: But at the same time, he begged his parents to marry him off <laughs> because of his sin nature. Right. He felt like, well, if I get married, that's it. I won't I'll have that and it'll be legal and binding mm. and then I won't be going against my, you know, I'll be a good manichaeist. Right, right. That's what he's thinking. How can I be a good manichaeist? How can I be this perfect person to fight against this sin nature that I saw back whenever I stole those pears. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. And and so another thing comes into play here too. This starts to feed his his pride. This yes. starts to feed. He is. Remember, he says, "I'm in love with loving. I I want to be. I want to be loved, and I want to love." And uh, so, this is one of the things. I guess you know, I said I I can relate to some of of what he's, he, what he goes through here. Is mm-hmm. he gets so caught up in this religion that's got some Christianity to it, but it's not fully realized. Right, and he's. He believes it, but he doesn't believe it, and he's. But it's given him, it's feeding him, it's feeding his pride, it's feeding his his need to be desired and to be loved. Sure. And so, um, and so, man, it's hard to stop that right. when people are telling you, hey, you know, uh, just like what he, what he was saying a while ago, you know, good job, good job, you know, that you you hear that and it's like, oh yes, okay, well I got to keep. I got to keep feeding this. Yeah. So he says uh, here, when talking about falling into Manichaeism, he says, Therefore, I fell among men proudly raving, very carnal and voluble, in whose mouths were the snares of the devil, the bird the birdlime, being composed of a mixture of the syllables of thy name and of our Lord Jesus Christ's. And of the paraclete, the Holy Ghost and the Comforter. These names departed not out of their mouths, but so far forth as the sound only and the clatter of the tongue for the heart was empty of truth. Yeah. But still they cried truth, truth, and spoke much about it to me. Yet was it not in them, mm. but they spake falsely, not of the only who verily art the truth. But also of the elements of the world, thy creatures. Mm. I mean, I relate to this, dude. It's like the system I came from, espoused truth. We have the truth. This is the truth. And if you're not doing this, then you're not following the truth. But their heart was so far removed from God's nature and the real truth. Right. And and so it's oh, there's so many parallels here. Yeah. And once again the whole point about getting caught up in it that you're actually espousing it not only not just because you believe it cuz you could sort of believe it but but it's like but because it gives you something that you feel like you need. Right.
1: So he uh he for these 9 years um during this time he's he's really just he's struggling looking for the truth, looking for wisdom, thinking that he's he's found this false pretense of manichaeism. Um his during this time he has a close friend who um mm. ends up he's uh he's Manichaeist too right. well he thinks he is uh and then he ends up falling ill and he's about to die and there's this whole thing about he goes to him and talks about baptism. He has this huge fight with him over baptism or something. <laughs> and the guy dies. And that leaves him in a whirlwind. And he starts asking questions to these manicky teachers. Yeah. Like searching for what they have to say about this stuff. And... uh Every time he asks, he figures out that he's smarter than all these other guys. Mm-hmm. And the people that he's been idolizing really don't have any answers. Yeah. To the point where he goes to the number one Manichaeist at the time, Faustus, Faustus, and asks him. And Faustus, by the time he's done, Faustus asked, asks Augustine if he can tutor <laughs> him. And Augustine, so he walks away completely complacent, knowing in his heart of hearts that Manichaeism is fake, false, not true. And he leaves Carthage. He comes back home for a little bit. Uh, while he comes back home, his mother, uh, <laughs> who is the unsung hero of this whole thing, yes, Monica won't let him step foot in the house, <laughs> uh, kicks him out because of the Manichae thing. Yeah, It says, I'm praying for you, but you are you are teaching a false religion, yeah. and I am not allowing you in my house. <laughs> and so he starts living with... Uh, um, his uh, guy that's paying for him, uh, Romanius. Um, I
0: want to I want to read something here that he says about his mom during this time frame. Too.
1: Sure. Okay, so
0: his mom is um, he he finds his mom has a dream about him, and uh, and she tells him about it, and it's a kind of a prophetic dream of sorts, and he 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 gets a little upset with her about it. Because he's like, what are you trying to convert me by saying God's talking to you in a dream? You know, <laughs> that sort of thing. But anyway, um, he says, and thou sendest thine hand, of course, talking to, to God, thou sendest thine hand from above and drewest my soul out of that profound darkness when my mother, <sighs> thy faithful one, wept to thee on my behalf more than mothers are wont to weep <laughs> the bodily deaths of their children. For she saw that I was dead Mm -hmm. by that faith and spirit, which she had from thee. And thou heardest her, O Lord. Thou heardest her and despisest not her tears. When pouring down, they watered the earth under her eyes in every place where she prayed. Yea, thou heardest her. Whence was this also, that when she had narrated this vision to me, and I tried to put this construction on it that she rather would not despair of being someday that I was, she immediately was, without hesitation, replied, okay, uh, let me back this up to say what he's talking about here. So in the, in the dream, she says that she's standing on a ruler, on a, on a wooden ruler, <laughs> yeah. and she encounters Jesus on the ruler. And he says, turn, and she turns, and he's her son, uh, Augustine, is there on the ruler by him. And so he gets really upset and he's like, you're trying to tell me that, uh, that God's saying that, or that Jesus is saying that I would go to him. (laughs) So he, so he says here that she rather would not despair of being someday what I was. And she immediately without hesitation replied, no, for it was not told me that where he is there shall thou be, but where thou art, There shall he be. (laughs) And I confess to thee, O Lord, that to the best of my remembrance, and I have often spoke of this, thy answer through my watchful mother, that she was not disquieted by the uh, speciousness of my false interpretation, and saw in a moment what was to be seen, and which I myself had not in truth perceived before she spake, even then moved me more than the dream itself— by which the happiness to the pious, to this pious woman to be realized so long after was for the alleviation of her present anxiety so long before predicted. <laughs> so she's like it's like this dream resolved her anxiety over his separation from Jesus. Right. And he's like, that impressed me more than the dream itself. Yeah. But I love that her insight. He's like, "No, I didn't say that he would come to, that you would come to him." Sure. I said that he was going to come to you.
1: <laughs> right. Which is amazing. And so, uh his mother just so you know, she never gave up on him. She wept for him bitterly. She prayed for him earnestly all the time and pestered him. Um was everywhere that he went. Even mm-hmm. though he didn't live with her. Yes. She was everywhere he went. And uh and then she would pester priests Or, you know, Christian men to go and talk to her son. In fact, there was... She's a little
0: bit of a helicopter mom.
1: Right. In (laughs) fact, there's at one point where she goes to this guy this uh priest who who used to be a manichaeist is like i know if you will only talk to him about how stupid this crap is that <laughs> you will convert him and he's like no i'm not going to because i know him and i know how like brilliant he is with his rhetoric and there's yeah. no way that you're I, not you're not going to win in a I'm not going to win this battle of words and uh and, and she's like please do it do it and and he says with a mother like you this is this is this is 21st century translation but he basically the priest basically says with a mother like you there is no doubt that he will convert mm. at some point yeah and she took that to be god telling her that before she died that he would come to salvation in christ she just knew it and so anyways um he's like Ready to leave everything behind, and he has this brilliant idea. You know what? I'm just gonna go to Rome. I'm gonna I'm gonna jet off to Rome, and I'm gonna teach uh, rhetoric there. That's what I'm gonna do. He had uh, a friends who introduced <coughs> him to um, some high influential people who were able to put him uh, as a rhetoric professor in Milan, mm-hmm. and so he decides he's going to go off and his mom's like "well I'm going with you." And he says "no you're not. You're just stay here woman. <laughs> Get yeah. away from me. I don't want to deal with you and your Christianity anymore. I'm I've had it, you know. I'm pretty much he's pretty much agnostic at this point even though he would claim to be man, manichaeist. Mm-hmm. Um he really didn't believe in it because he saw that he could never accomplish it. Nothing held water. Yeah. And so uh so he tells his mom, this is a true story. He's like, all right, you can come with me. So they start traveling, and he stops off at this church. And he's like, why don't you go in and pray? <laughs> and uh, you go, and th- it was a like some kind of holy special place. And he's like, you go pray in this this cathedral. And while you're praying, he slips out, and he goes off to Rome without her. He leaves her. He, <laughs> he pulls a... Uh, <laughs> Uh, He pulls a dash on her. He just leaves her (laughs) at the altar, (laughs) as it were, right? And uh, goes to Rome, ditches her, and ends up uh, becoming um, the uh, 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 professor of rhetoric in Milan. Uh, And his mom doesn't give up. What does she do? She hops on a boat and comes right after him, <laughs> of course. Yeah, and so she makes it there, and he has made a name for himself. Although uh, he gets ticked off at teaching, he didn't like teaching, and the reason was this is a funny little anecdote about him, but it's something about always, always get your money up front. But the idea was of a professor was if you uh, if you back then. You would attend all the classes, and then at the end of the semester, you would go and pay your professor. And so these guys would attend all the classes, but at the end of the semester, they didn't show up to pay him. Like, and he got annoyed <laughs> at that. It was bad. So anyways, but he's he is becoming – if you are a professor of rhetoric in Rome, you are becoming high-class society. He's achieving, achieving everything – He sets out to. He becomes one of the major philosophers of the time, Mm -hmm. one of the major uh, um, rhetoric uh, teachers, and just becomes a very powerful person. But there's another guy in uh, Milan, and this is how God directs. It's just amazing. So So there's another guy in Milan uh, who's the bishop of Milan. He's the preacher Mm -hmm. in Milan. Back then... Who actually happens to be a very good... Person rhetoric, you know, rhetoric himself. That's the thing. If there was anybody that could match wits (laughs) with uh, with Augustine, it was Ambrose. It was Ambrose of Milan, and so uh, Ambrose is there. He's the preacher there, and uh, so Augustine uh, starts hanging out in the same circles as Ambrose Mm -hmm. um, because Ambrose is well known and he's a brilliant philosopher as well. Ambrose, at the time, there was kind of a Greek renaissance going on <clears throat> in philosophy. Mm-hmm. People were rediscovering some of the Greek greats, right? And so Ambrose was taking those philosophers and using them to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was brilliant at taking, and this is something the pastor should learn, taking culture. Cl- culture and using it. Which is different, though. Than becoming pop culture, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he he took that culture and he used it to to preach the gospel, and man, it, it's a it comes right out of the page of the Apostle Paul's,
0: right. I mean, the whole Mars Hill thing that happens there,
1: sure. So his mom makes it over and um, is hanging out with him, and develops a really close friendship with. Uh, um, um, with Ambrose. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what she'll do is she she devises this plan, and it's brilliant. She sends Augustine, anytime she has a religious question, she'll be like, hey, <laughs> could you, so while you're out today, will you ask Ambrose about <laughs> this? Because I've really been wanting to know about that. And so Augustine will be like, my mom, she wants to know <laughs> about this. And Ambrose would answer, and he would be blown away by the answers. Right, right. Which was the whole point. Exactly. Mom probably already knew the answer. Sure, exactly. Like,
0: like she's basically saying, "Okay, right. <laughs> here's what you need. So here's what I'm going to ask sure. Ambrose about."
1: So, um, uh, this is this goes on for quite a while. He develops a very close friendship with Ambrose, although he doesn't really convert. Mm. Um, Uh, He definitely stops calling himself a Manichaean at this point, Um, is more just out there floating, and starts adopting this idea of, well, maybe this Christian stuff isn't for the birds like I have thought it is. Starts seeing the truth of the gospel because of Ambrose's preaching, and not just because of that, because of his friendship. Right. His companionship. This guy was able to go toe-to-toe with him and debate philosophical. Yeah. The uh, things arguments. That, that the
0: bigwigs in the manichaeism couldn't do. Couldn't do.
1: Ambrose was Faustus doing.
0: was failing. Exactly.
1: Ambrose was succeeding. Right. And so during that time, uh, this crazy event happened. It's worth noting. So Christianity, like you said, is is not the religion of Rome it's going to be pretty close to the end of this mm-hmm. but at this point it is it is really taken over. There are a lot of people that are flocking these churches, and uh the uh the Roman Emperor who was a ten year old boy at the time and I forget the name you guys if you're listening, homework, do some homework and find out, <laughs> I forget his name, and I don't want to go look at it but basically um his mom is kind of running the um, running the game and, uh, and she is big into Arianism, which is another heresy uh, which has taken over the, the church a little bit right. And so she it all has
0: to do with the body of Christ and how
1: right yeah. And so she views uh, the, the Church of Milan as a great platform in in which to launch her beliefs. And so she decides that she's going to appoint this <clears throat> Aryan bishop to take over in Milan because she's, I mean, she's the ruler, so she can right. do that. So she sends a letter, a nice polite letter to Ambrose that says, get out. <laughs> uh, there's another guy that I, I want for your, you know, your position at the church. Now, again, this is, there was no, there was no, uh, Pope at this point, there was well, there was no, um, you know, church complete structure, right? Yet. Complete structure, there yet. was,
0: uh, and this is about the time of the Nicene Council, I mean, right? It happens right around 350 so.
1: exactly. So, uh, Ambrose very politely says, No, um, I'm not gonna do that because Arianism is a heresy, mm-hmm. um, and you can kill me if you want, I'll, I'll, I'll let you kill me, but I am not willingly giving you the pulpit to preach a heresy. And so she's like, "Um, I'm the ruler. So she sends troops into uh, Milan uh, to forcefully remove him. So they lock the doors and bar them. Now the reason this is worth noting is because his mother is in the church Hmm. at this time. (laughs) She chose to support um, Ambrose, um, now, Augustine is not, and Augustine has debates about whether or not he should support Ambrose in this because he views society, yeah. you're supposed to follow the Roman emperor, mm-hmm. right? So Especially
0: since his career path is all centered around this
1: structure. Exactly. <laughs> so, but he watches as Ambrose handles this expertly uh, using rhetoric mm. and basically saying, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to tell any of my people to fight, but we will lay down our lives for what we believe is right because it has to be right. Mm -hmm. And it strikes a chord with Augustine. He sees the reality of Ambrose's faith. Right. And it's what makes him, for the first time, say, I'm going to be a Christian. Right. So he goes...
0: Martyrdom goes a long way. Oh, yeah. For convincing people stuff.
1: Now, what's awesome is... there's a standoff for a while. They don't do anything, and then uh, the the uh, Empress basically says, "Ah, forget it. Um, it's not worth it. It's, not, it's worth not, it. not worth it." And her comment is, "Even my soldiers were ready to rebel against me <laughs> because of your rhetoric." <laughs> Ambrose and so forget it so that's how brilliant Ambrose was Well and it's
0: also really cool God puts people in our lives for different reasons and it's like he brings people together that can work and make each other grow and so it's like who obviously his mom wasn't helping right so who would he would he listen to the the rhetorical guy the guy that that can talk soldiers out of fighting like, exactly that's
1: that's the guy that augustine is wanting to be is wanting to be the right? guy is 10 to 14 years older than him yeah is a father figure <clears throat> in a lot of ways becomes a father figure in his life and becomes a a mentor mm. and god uses that to open the door to groom one of the greatest theologians of all time. So, anyways, um, he goes to his mom, and he's like, hey, I'm a Christian. (laughs) And he expects some huge (laughs) (laughs) elation from his mom. I mean, of course. And his mom looks at him and says, and I think it's got to be the spirit talking through her, says, well, before I die, I'm convinced that you will be. Right. Of real follower. <laughs> so she's not convinced. Right. Right. But well, she knows
0: her son. Oh, yeah. He's moved by the event. He's moved, which there's a, there's a lesson in this too, sure. by the way. I mean, how many times do you see, oh, we, you know, 2,200 people came to Jesus this morning or whatever, you know, in some, it's like, well, is it the event that moved them <laughs> or was it Jesus? Right. And and I I think that's what we see here. Mm-hmm. We see somewhat of a false conversion happening because he's enamored with the rhetoric. He's enamored with th- what he's seeing in right
1: Ambrose, right? Not what he's seeing in Jesus, right? And so it's a step in the right direction, but it's not his conversion. Well, he doesn't claim it's his conversion, correct? Um, at this point, he's thirty-one years old. Yes. Three hundred eighty-six eighty. He's become the pinnacle of his career. In his mind, he thinks it can't get any better than this, and I have not found what I'm looking for. So he retires. Retires at thirty-one years old <laughs> to a country villa in Rome. He, uh, his mom, of course, comes right along with him. Retires his country villa, and by the way, his mom. It's not like his mom didn't have other sons. (laughs) His mom had two other sons, but man, she will not leave this dude alone because she feels like it's God's calling on her life to convert him. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) go back to that. So, uh, Augustine retires with some friends, uh, in a country villa and they're, they're living. He's just living day to day. Uh, he is studying scripture. Um, he is trying to practice his Christian faith, but he doesn't, Really have Christian faith at this point, and uh, he's retired to Rome. So, do you want to? Do you want to take it from here? And
0: well, oh uh, yeah, you're talking about his conversion. He's right. His he, conversion. He's um, he has this somewhat of a mystical moment. Yeah, like he hears a child's voice.
1: <laughs> wait, wait. I gotta go back. So, have you heard this story? Okay, so the he. What f- I'm about to tell. No, or? before he hears <laughs> the child's voice, what okay, happens? Okay, go ahead. Have you heard that? Uh, I guess not. Oh my gosh, this is a cool thing. I'll let you take over the child's voice. So this is the insane thing. So this is what happens. Okay. He's in the villa, and one of his buddies comes to visit him, uh, a former student. Mm-hmm. Comes to visit him, and he's from, uh, I think, from Carthage or whatever. Uh, and I have his name somewhere, but I, I wrote it down, and I don't want to look it up. Anyways. <laughs> so he comes to visit him, and they're about to play dominoes. Yes, that was a game back then. And... uh before they're about to play dominoes, the buddy looks down and he sees a uh, a book. They were
0: playing 42,
1: right? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> trains, Mexican trains. <laughs> so he looks down and he sees a book and he picks it up, expecting it to be some boring um, rhetoric book, yeah. right? And he realizes that it's the writings of Paul. And he gets super excited. He's like... Uh, Augustine, you're a Christian. I am a Christian, and he starts talking to him, and he and right, he shares right. with him. He's like, "Have you heard the story about the two guys that converted?" He's like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Well, they're these two Roman dudes, and they had, um, they were Roman citizens, and they had money, and they were both bachelors, and they were about to be married." And uh, and they were on a country walk. And on this country walk, they went into this house, and this house was abandoned. Um, but there was a, a book um, about this guy by the name of St. Anthony. And they started reading this book about St. Anthony and the fact that St. Anthony decided to reject everything else and to live his life 100% sold out for God. And so he went out in the wilderness, and he became this crazy wild man and he told he's trying to live like John the Baptist, trying <laughs> right, to you know, right. And uh, and he he didn't marry, and he rejected all that, but he viewed himself as married to God, and he just wanted to live hundred percent sold out. And Augustine describes it as a soul sickness. He he retired to the villa, and he had this soul sickness. Yeah,
0: like he heard something that was really moving. Yes, and he
1: didn't know exactly what to do with it. Right, and he was. I mean, it jostled him, and in his mind he went, "Well, that's great. Here I am. Here I sit." And he starts, he starts to cry. It's like, and he's like, "Well, they read that book about Saint Anthony, and it made them inspired them so much. They went back and they said, we 'We're not marrying. We're going to become radical, sold out followers of of Jesus.'" Mm-hmm. And so they started living that living that life. It's the monastic this idea of monasticism, right? Right. Um, Before. Before monasticism, right. Saint Anthony was kind of like the first wild man. John the Baptist was wild before yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. So, this is
0: another thing. Saint Fran- uh, Francis of Assisi type of thing. Exactly.
1: Yeah. They sold everything they had, gave it all to the poor. These two guys sold everything they had, gave it all to the poor, and started living wildly for Jesus, telling people about Jesus. And Augustine's like, he goes, well that's just great. Here I am. I know all this stuff. I've gained my whole life of wisdom. I'm one of the most respected, well uh educated men. I've done everything my dad told me to do. Mm-hmm. I you know, I've tried to live my life this and He's like and those guys are going to be before me in heaven. <laughs> And it tears him up. Yeah, and he runs outside and he runs into his garden and he's weeping. He's trying to get away from his friends because he doesn't want to see yeah yeah see him because this is this is bawling
0: yeah because this is a prideful guy
1: yes exactly I mean it's God uses that pride and so it's at that point that what you're talking about okay so
0: yeah he hears this voice yes it's like a child's voice right and it's singing and it confuses him he's so he's like looking around trying to find this little kid. And the voice is saying, "Take it up and read." And he and he thinks, "Okay, well, we were just talking about the Bible, right?" Or, of course, it wasn't the Bible at that point—the books of—but l- Paul sitting there. So he's like, "Okay, I'm taking this as a sign that I have to read this, right?" And so he goes and he just, like, you can imagine the table is probably strewn with papers. <laughs> he reaches down and just grabs the the writings of Paul, right looks at them, and this is, this is what he reads. He reads, um, we must live honorably, surrounded by the light of this new day, not in the darkness of drunkenness and debauchery and not in promiscuity and sensuality, <laughs> but being argumentative or jealous of others. Instead, fully immerse yourself in the Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, and don't waste even a moment's thought on your former identity to awaken its selfish desires. Goodness. It punches
1: him right in the face. (laughs) He's heard about St. Anthony doing that. He's, I mean, and it's his whole, that's what he's been waiting his whole life to hear. So just think, I mean,
0: out of everything piled up on the table. (laughs) He pulls out Romans 13. He pulls out Romans 13, 13, and 14, And that's what he reads, right? And it's like telling him, it's it's telling him, stop doing what you're doing, and follow Jesus. And so he considers that his conversion moment.
1: Um, well, then he goes back into his mom. He and the buddy <laughs> they look at each other and we're like, we're gonna do that right now. We are giving up everything. We're done. I'm done with my pride. Yeah. I'm done with my my lust. I'm finished with thinking that I am special, mm. I I am focusing on Christ and Christ alone. Yeah. I'm not going to get married. I'm not going to do any Okay, of this. so this
0: guy, he was a womanizer. Right. He, he was like...
1: Oh, by the way, at this point, he was waiting He was on, actually engaged. Engaged. So, okay. okay. To so, a 10-year-old. Yeah, so let's,
0: <laughs> so let's back it up a little bit. So he had been like... The whole time he was in Carthage, in Milan, he's just been like a player. Like, he's a playboy. He's He's... He's one girl to another anyway he has this mistress where he has the he has
1: the the boy the with. boy with uh but she leaves him, and well, she doesn't leave him, he sends her off um that's what I read, yeah because his mom finally convinces him,
0: yeah, well, okay, so yeah, I read something that was a little conflicting to that, but anyway, huh. so um because he actually mourns her oh yeah her leaving him in. Right. So, but uh, anyway, he's regardless, upset about it. He
1: viewed it as a marriage in his mind. Right.
0: His his mom um, establishes this this betrothal, mm-hmm. but it's to an heiress. Right. But she's only ten. Right. And you can't marry a ten year old.
1: Right. So they even even
0: under Roman law,
1: or twelve, I guess twelve.
0: So he was having to wait two <laughs> years. Oh, can you imagine? That's so horrible. Anyway. So he's waiting. And he's 31, by the way. Yes. So he's waiting (laughs) on this this girl to turn 12 so he can marry her. And um and so he gets tired of waiting because his desires just can't deal with this. And so he gets another mistress in the meantime that he's fooling around with. So all that's happening while this when this occurs. Right. And so the passage we just read was stop being promiscuous, stop being lustful, stop being prideful. All of that it hits him so hard. He drops the mistress. He cuts off the, the the engagement to the girl. Yeah. And 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 everything. And then he decides that he's gonna go a hundred percent
1: full on. Into in into this whole thing. There he's gonna drop everything. <clears throat> and so he goes back and he tells his mom, listen, I'm a hundred percent sold out. And that's when she Leaps for joy because mm-hmm. she sees that this is it. Uh, this is what we've been waiting on. Yeah. So then he has to go back. <laughs> I love this yeah. part. It's So funny because okay, so uh, we're so used to in the church today. Anybody want to be Christian? Thank you. I see that hand. Pray this yeah. prayer. Get baptized. You're a Christian. Poof. You're done. Well, that's not how it worked back then. If you truly want to become a, a a convert and be baptized you actually had to go through Christianity 101. Right. And the reason was is because they were being fed to lions and it was something that you had to consider the cost on. Yeah. It was something you had to decide, do I really want to sell my life and be baptized? Because when you were being when you were baptized, it was a mark, okay? And so for a year, he has to sit this brilliant scholar who's been teaching rhetoric and <laughs> talk about Taking, basic Christianity, taking what a you
0: from, I mean, this is God <laughs> yeah, all it the is. way it's but, because you're talking about a guy now who is used to being looked up to, he's used to being the teacher, he's used to being the one everyone goes to for answers. Mm-hmm. That's what he's aspired to, mm-hmm. that's what he confesses all throughout this book about. About how, <laughs> oh man, so, um, okay, so yeah, okay, let me read a little piece here. From one of his one of his confessions, he says, "This is talking about whenever he was um, uh, at at that at, at um, between Carthage and Milan." He says, "During the space of nine years, then, from my nineteenth to my 8th and twentieth year, we went on uh, we went on seduced and seducing, deceived and deceiving in diverse lusts, publicly." by sciences which they style as liberal, secretly with a falsity called religion, and here proud, there superstitious, everywhere vain. Here, striving after the emptiness of popular fame, even to theatrical applauses and poetic contests and strives for grassy garlands and the follies of shows and the intemperance of desire. There, seeking to be purged from these, our corruptions by carrying food to those who were called elect Mm -hmm. and holy, out of which, in the laboratory of their stomachs, they should make for us angels and gods mm. by whom we might be delivered. These things did I follow eagerly and practice with my friends by me and with me deceived. Let the arrogant and such as have not been yet savingly cast down and stricken by Thee, O oh my God laugh at me. Notwithstanding, I would confess to thee mine own shame in thy praise. <laughs> I just say that's so cool. He's talking about exactly what happens here. Right. He's he's talking about how I I was full of all of this, and now I'm gonna praise you in my being a laughing stock. Right. At my own expense. Right. So good.
1: So a year later, Ambrose gets the honor of baptizing Augustine along with his son, Adiunitas, who becomes a Christian as well, in mm. Milan at the Easter Vigil in 387. A year later, Augustine completes his apology on the holiness of the Catholic Church. <laughs> so he finishes his first work a year later. Yeah. Um he his mother died in Ostia. Um, she succumbed, and this a great, beautiful story about how she looks out in the garden a couple days before she falls ill, and she sees all the beautiful flowers, and she tells Augustine, "Imagine what heaven is going to be like. If we have these beautiful flowers, imagine what heaven's going to be like." Mm-hmm. And then she tells him, "I've served my purpose. God, God had me here to convert you." That was what I'm, and now I'm just waiting on heaven. And then a couple days later, so, she falls ill and dies. Okay,
0: so we got to talk about the God moment around this. Oh yeah. So this morning, <laughs> this morning I wasn't. Great. This morning I wasn't even studying this, and I still <laughs> and I was until we until we. Um, well, I mean, I, we've been talking about right, it. And right, I've been right, looking right. at the history. And sure, stuff, but I. I I had not watched the same documentary right. that you had watched. I did not know that story yeah. that you just said, like at all. Right. And this morning, I'm going through my devotional. And I'm reading Jude, and the last couple of verses of Jude talk about uh, finding firm in your faith and not letting the, the things draw you away. And this, mm. And so in my praying through my devotional, I thought, you know... To build up our faith, let's look at something that we Beautiful. find beauty in and then think about how the glorious, how much more beauty is going to be in heaven for us. Right. That no matter what you find beauty in, God it is... It
1: can't compare. It
0: can't compare. God is going to heap more than that upon you. He has more beauty in store for you through Jesus mm. than anything that your eyes can behold. And so I was so moved by that this morning that I, I sent out a group message to our little Group and basically to encourage everybody to do this, sure.
1: And then we're sitting here getting ready to record, (laughs) right? And you tell me this story, right? So, I was at that time yesterday was a a tough day, and uh, for me personally, and so uh, I was just negative this morning and not wanting to be at work. And um, I was researching because I had a couple more minutes, I was researching. Um, and I was actually watching a documentary on Augustine, which was really good. And, uh, and they tell the story about the end of, uh, his mom's life, um, Monica's life and how they're walking through the garden and, um, Ostia and they had been worshiping for a while together and, uh, and Monica looks out across the flowers and she feels like the Holy Spirit's telling her, look at how beautiful these flowers are. Um, They can't compare to what heaven is going to be like. (laughs) Right. And I was just like blown away that David had said that. And then, then uh then my documentary said it was just a god moment for me it was really cool so i'm like it what? So, it's oh, like it's, i love it when the holy
0: spirit it's epic
1: starts it's talking to us yeah. in this way so awesome so she uh she does pass away um he uh augustine goes back to um africa um and with his son and right after that his son passes away mm-hmm um, after he converted, right after he converted, yeah, uh, his son passed away, and so Augustine takes basically almost everything he has, all of his money, everything that he got from his father, because he's the oldest son, and he gives it to the poor. <laughs> Which, huh? That's just—it's amazing how yes. unique that sounds. Uh, uh, all he's got left is the family home, right? And, and he so, com- what he do? He converts it to a <laughs> monastery. <laughs> So he invites a group of friends to live in it with him, yeah. and he forms the first monastic living. He's he's the like the author of monasticism in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, the in fact today the Catholic Church still has Augustinian monks mm-hmm. based off of Augustine's mm-hmm. monastic ideals, and so, um, which is great. He realized he needed he needed uh, brothers to keep him faithful um in three ninety one Augustine was uh ordained reluctantly ordained the people dragged dragged him, dragged him to be <laughs> ordained uh as priest of hippo Regu- uh, Regius
0: including all the rights therein That's including, true, right? <laughs> including celibacy
1: yes <laughs> and then in three ninety five he was made coadjutor of uh bishop of Ph- uh hippo and then he finally became the bishop of, of hippo. So think about that. It's like God takes this guy
0: who is a sexual addict. Yeah. He's a he and he's a prideful guy. And he takes him and he breaks him in all
1: those areas. Right. Like it's just oh man. The dude and and here's the deal. After <laughs> he takes him breaks him Builds him back up to becoming the bishop of Hippo, which is no little little thing. Hippo was a very important mm-hmm. port, town in Africa, um, where the message was spread because of him. He wrote over a thousand treaties. He wrote uh, some of the greatest theology that we have. Um, had huge debates, by the way, with some very interesting... Uh, Pelagius mm-hmm. was a big... Thing going right. on at that time right. He watched the fall of Rome Out of his window mm. And then encouraged the people by writing City of God right. Which is the idea that, listen, Rome's gonna fall Oh well But the city of that's God not is, the real thing. is eternal
0: Which, think, that goes back again <laughs> To the whole His mom in the field of right, flowers Man yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> like this, is, this is beautiful But it's nothing right. compared to What's out there and so
1: we want to talk about his theology real quick. Yeah, I do. Uh, By the way, he passes away. He dies. Believe it or not, as we all do. Four hundred uh, yeah, and thirty. Yeah, and four hundred and thirty. Man, he lived a long life mm-hmm. and a good life, full of uh, of serving God. Uh, thirty one, all the way up. Yeah. How old was he when he passed away? Uh let's see, like seventy something. Yeah, he remained in the position until his death. Yeah. So okay. So he was
0: the patron saint of brewers.
1: <laughs> woo-hoo.
0: Printers. Woo-hoo. Theologians. <laughs> yes, he's and the patron saint. I don't get this one. And sore eyes. What is that? I don't know. Do you have sore eyes? <laughs> Clear your, eyes. He, he's your he's your patron. <laughs> he's, oh my eyes are hurting today. Is. Sore Isn't? eyes. Okay. Well, um, so let's talk about his theology a little bit. Okay.
1: Now, he did have some very interesting views that you might not like very much. Here we um,
0: go. Well, okay, let's talk about one of his big things was anthropology.
1: Christian anthropology.
0: So, yeah, he so the whole study of um,
1: the, nature the of man.
0: separation between body and spirit. Yes.
1: Like that's... Dualistic nature. Yes.
0: And so, and this is a lot of why he's passionate about this is because where did he come from? <laughs> This whole right. uh, manichaeism, this this whole mindset of it being all about spirit and not about the body, and, and so he does get heavily involved in a lot of the arguments of the time dealing with anthropology. That's not as big of a deal these days as it used to be, um, but... During this time frame, there's all remember well the biggest thing that everyone thought about the on
1: substance Jesus. of God. Or What's the nature Jesus the
0: was, nature of of Jesus? Yeah. Was he fully God, fully man? That you know, right? Those were the biggest things to argue about, right? And so, yes, he's deeply involved in all that. Um, he has some interesting creation views.
1: Yes, he believed uh, that creation was not a literal six day event. Um, that that um, that creation was spontaneous, mm-hmm. um, and I mean that kind of. He believed it was allegorical, and he believed that yeah, <clears> creation <throat> was allegorical. The creation story was allegorical to help us comprehend and understand. He actually pulled his view of that, believe
0: it or not, from the Book of Sirach,
1: mm-hmm. which
0: is a, um, which is is part of the um, apocrypha.
1: Right. Um he created all things at once is what yeah. Sirach 18:1 says. Right. And so um
0: he largely um felt like creation in and of itself was such a spiritual event and such a big uh, thing that you can't really explain it in mortal terms. And that's why the six days of creation were given to us was as a framework to wrap our minds around right. what's happening, so that was kind of his take on that.
1: Okay, let's um, talk about ecclesiology.
0: Ecclesiology. <laughs> um, so the church,
1: he believes that there is one church. Yes, but, but two but into realities, realities,
0: which is uh, a little bit different. Um, he was dealing with uh, a group that a, a Christian sect called. Uh, uh, Donatism
1: mm-hmm. at
0: the time and there was a lot of arguments around um, this because Donatism was a um, an elitist group mm-hmm. of Christianity uh, that largely believed that um, you that the church was based was composed of people who were saved and people who were saved only and that sounds legit Except for, they knew who it was, right, right. And so, if they saw if they saw <laughs> you doing something they saw was inappropriate <clears> or whatever, it was like, that "Oh, that guy's not
1: part of the church." Wait a
0: minute, you're not part of the church. And so, uh, this was causing a lot of division, and um, and people were basically saying, "We're saved. You're not saved." That whole, um, <laughs> there's nothing new. Or nothing. Oh, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, right? That's it was right. Still mm-hmm. happening today. Um, but anyway, his, his view was basically this, there are two realities to the church. There is a visible church and there is an invisible church, the visible church being what we can see, touch, feel, uh, and that goes everywhere from the hierarchy of our government in the church, uh, the structure of it, how we employ it, all this to the actual people themselves. So there's a guy sitting on the pew next to you. He's part of the church. You know, and he might be a wheat, he might be tear. You treat him like he's <laughs> part of the church. Yes, you you don't treat him any different, and which is largely pretty much how it should happen. Actually. Right. So I mean, we're not the judges. We can't we can't do all that. but then he also believed there was a second nature to the church, was an invisible side, which is a spiritual side, which is discerned by God, mm-hmm. and so therefore the invisible part of the church would be uh, a complete spiritual nature, which. He had plenty of background about, right? right? Because of his manichaeism. That's right. And the things that he, I mean, all, it's like God was preparing him.
1: Oh, yeah. Like all. Well, like, yeah, that's the obvious picture. And that's I how mean, all of this works, right? Exactly. He
0: puts you where he needs you to be mm-hmm. for the information that you need for the job that you need to do. That's right. And so, anyway, so um, so he believed that differently that, that there were wheat and tares in the church, and that was kind of his whole take on ecclesiology. Eschatology. That's interesting. Okay, so eschatology began Mm -hmm. premillennialists. Now, today, when we say premillennialism, we usually are, most people think of rapture. Right. Because it's, uh, but really, this is just about the thousand year reign. The thousand year reign, yep. So you're either, you're either that it happens before the end of time and judgment, it happens um, during everything that's going on, or It happens after. And so there's pre-a-millennialism, which is basically that we're in the thousand year and it's a symbol. And then there's post. So he started a pre-millennialist and then decided, nope, that's too materialistic. I don't know exactly how he got there. But anyway, he was like, no, it's too materialism, too much materialism in it. I got to go with all millennialists. So he basically believed uh, that the thousand-year reign was a metaphorical thing. Right. Kind of like his, okay, did that in Genesis. Sure. Might as well do it in Revelation.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, you know, uh, the the Catholic Church uh, is still all millennialist Mm -hmm. uh, because of Augustine's bent uh, Mm. on that. So that's interesting uh, there also uh let's talk about as mariology, oh yes, he, okay, well, yeah, he you believe got... that mary uh was born from a virgin, mm-hmm. was a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus, and then perpetually was a virgin, yeah, in other words, she never uh conceived any other babies um not after e- not
0: even jude and and uh poor joseph and- James. and uh <laughs>
1: So, uh, anyways, (laughs) no, um, and this, I think he had a dramatic hatred for lust of the flesh. Yeah. And I think that's what drove this in a lot of ways.
0: And I think that it has a lot to do with his past. Right. I mean, that's, he hated the man that he was. He hated what it did to him on the inside. Right. Um, And I just took off my glasses, but uh, this, this actually, the last thing I was going to read from the confessions actually kind of, uh, uh, blends into this because he's talking about finding beauty and, and how, when he was young, he saw beauty differently than he sees it now. And that, uh, he desired things because they looked good, and, um, which is very much what womanizing is all about and objectifying women uh, does. So <clears throat> he writes here, he says, these things I knew not at the time, and I loved these lower beauties, and I was sinking to the very depths. And I said to my friends, do we love anything but the beautiful? What then is the beautiful? And what is beauty? What is it that allures and unites us to these things we love? For unless there were a grace and a beauty in them, they could by no means attract us to them. And I marked and perceived that in bodies themselves, there was a beauty from the forming a kind of whole. And another, from mutual fitness as one part of the body with its whole, or a shoe with a foot, and so on. And this consideration sprang up in my mind out of the recesses of my heart, and I wrote books, two or three, I think, on the fair and the fit. Thou knowest, O Lord, for it has escaped me, for I have them not, but they have strayed from me, and I know not how. So it's like... He even forgot how many books he wrote on (laughs)
1: on
0: this, but he wrote wrote treatises on being fair and fit, being beautiful, and all this, and he's like, I don't even care anymore. Right. Those things have just escaped my mind because beauty's not found in what I thought beauty was found in.
1: Mm. So uh, piggybacking on that, he was really a leader and proponent of the idea of original sin. Mm-hmm. Um in fact this was his biggest fight with Pelagius, um, who viewed that all humans were basically in their human nature good. Right. And uh Augustine argued, no, in fact, all people are in their basic human nature flawed mm-hmm. and screwed up uh because of the fall of their fallen nature. Um, well and- even going back to his anthropology stuff right
0: he based a lot of that on the garden and what happened in the garden right and he w- would even argue with people that the the original sin of the garden was not the taking of the fruit but it was pride and and you know i mean he was taking it all back to its roots and not the actions but what's in the heart Right. So yeah, same thing is that man has this built into him.
1: Yep. He was uh he wasn't a uh Calvinist, <laughs> which is hilarious to because Calvin didn't exist for a thousand years after <laughs> Augustine. But uh uh as far as predestination, he believed that God ordains or orders all things while preserving human uh choice. Yes. He was definitely into free will. Yep. Uh and so, I mean, there's so much more. Uh he believed he did believe in transubstantiation. Uh he believed that the Roman Catholic Church was the only one to that should administer uh mm. the sacraments, that a person baptized outside the Catholic Church was not truly saved till they were baptized inside the Catholic Church. Believed in infant baptism. <laughs> yeah. Some other interesting so there's, things. There's
0: stuff there. There's good stuff there. There's there's yeah, there's but other you know things. what? A lot of this stuff is formed by your society, and that's right, you're raising and, your and what you know from Christianity, yeah. And so, I mean, it's hard to buck your system,
1: <laughs> it is.
0: I mean, it really is. When it, you've been raised to believe that this is right and everything else is wrong, um, man, it's hard to think analytically and objectively, that's right. And so, yeah, there are and things he did, he
1: bucked the system in a <laughs> lot of ways, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, he also succumbed to to a lot of things mm-hmm. and he he changed and reverted and you know yeah. as but just like his scriptures. eschatology
0: i mean he went from one right one school of thought to another
1: right so anyways that's about all i uh got the guy was awesome yeah go check him out go read the confessions and confess wow so. we've
0: been at this a while
1: yeah, we, yeah let's let's you, you want to skip the news yeah let's skip the news for this week all
0: right you guys are well informed
1: yes keep up With, uh, there's not much news, anyways. (laughs) Something about Dennis Quaid. You can go read it. Uh,
0: All right, we're ready to get
1: out of here. Let's do it. The Theonauts are
0: part of the Great Commission Transmission Network using new media and social networking to go in all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter. Stay up to date with all our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema and the Secret Fire Podcast.
1: Visit our website at Theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, your favorite podcast catcher, and be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There
0: are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to Theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line, which is 972-885-7270.
1: Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts.
0: If you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs.
1: Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, David. God bless.
0: This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you.
1: You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission transmission at gctnetwork.com. This is your Great Commission transmission. Great Commission Trans- Dan, what is your deal? If anybody doesn't know, Dan is the worst.
0: Holy Ghost power, that's awful.